All right, so um, we've got a, uh, an exercise for you right off the bat. Um, who thinks that they had um, the most sleep? No one. <laughs> she was dreaming about rescuing animals. Put it right out. Yeah, for most of you. Not for me. All right, so here is um, uh, an activity for you. So um, if you uh, didn't get to uh, do the whole session last night or you're still kind of processing, setting up the framework, um, that devotion, I want you to do not lose that. Um, that is a really, really, really good um, synopsis of basically uh, what I wanted you to get last night, okay? And so that is worth pouring back over, underlining some stuff, spending some time with it to make sure that you've got uh, those ideas uh, there. So as we move into this, we wanted to talk about why God is speaking to us about this. We want to frame what the, what the commandments are to us, that they are... Uh, they are um, a roadmap for us. This is something that we should be doing, um, and they are good. And so that is the the issue that we have, right? That we don't trust them, right? That we trust ourselves. That we do what we want to do, and so that is the work that we have today of showing uh, God's goodness. So that is, so pray for me that I can make that apparent. <laughs> so here's what I want you to do to get in that mindset. So I've got a definition of of good up here that is somewhat legible, and so I'll read it to you. Uh, but I want you to write down some things in your life that are good by this definition. Okay? And the definition is pretty comprehensive. Alright? So the good is that which is desired or approved. Okay, so the desired part is that's going to meet a lot of uh, a lot of things going to meet that criteria. But what about approved? Okay, that it's uh, something that we should be desiring. The second uh, the second part of the definition is it possesses the qualities required for a particular role. What I mean by that is the ancients would say a, a knife is good, right, if it cuts well. Does that make sense? So the thing that you call good, does it meet the requirements that you have given it? All right? Number three, uh, that the thing is morally right or righteous. Okay? So there's not any inherent uh, reason that you shouldn't be doing it. And lastly, it gives specific benefit or advantage to someone or something. So I want you to try to write down what are some things... Right, that you think are good in your life that, are, um, that meet those criteria. And see if you can find any. All right. Hear ye, hear ye. All right, as you, as you are thinking, or did, uh, took some time to think about the things that you love, Okay, so you thought about the things that you love. And so how many of you were pleasantly surprised that the things that you love, that there were some good things in there? Raise your hand. 
Okay. So the so this is not this was not kind of a gotcha thing. This was a for you to uh, take some time to to judge the things right that we give our heart to. Right here's things I love, but why do I love them? Right and. Typically, if you were to continue to do this exercise, you're going you're gonna to find out that not a lot of the things that I love, right, are actually good. There's some good things about them, right? There's some things, there's reasons why I do them, but for by some definition, they don't meet it, right? Okay? So you need to become a good judger <laughs> of the things, right, that you give your heart to. Right, the things that you're about, the things that you worship. Does that make sense? All right. So this, by this definition, I'm going to claim that God's law, right, it meets every one of these criteria. Okay. And it is good. That is not, you do not view law as good. Right. When we're saying mom says don't run in the house and you're like, right, that's not your rule. They're repeating you for doing something you want, right? And so we don't really understand, right? Aren't seeing it as good. And so that is the challenge. Uh, Psalm 5.8. So write this one down in your notes. Psalm 5.8. Here is David's prayer. O Lord, lead me in your righteousness. Because of my foes, make your way straight before me. What the law is supposed to do when we're in relationship with God, in proper relationship, it is to make what we make crooked straight. Okay? I don't, know if, I don't know if you're like me, but when I do stuff my own way, I make it all kinds of crooked. All right, if they were going to graph the things that I do, <laughs> it's all over the place. Okay? That's because that's I don't know what I'm doing. All right? So David is asking here, right, and he recognizes this, that he knows that God's way is straight and his way is crooked, and he wants, he wants to see that that way is straight and that's the way that I want to go. Okay? Because it's good. Lord, lead me in your righteousness. Why don't you turn over to Psalm 3, or Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. So the other one was Psalm 5 and 5, 8. This was... Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Maybe some of you have memorized this at some point in your life. This is a great summation of uh, everything we're going to talk about this weekend. So verse 5, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. There's no part that doesn't want to give myself or worship him. And do not lean on my own understanding. We talked about that, right? I'll just go with myself. My understanding, my natural understanding is not good. So let's not lean on that. I'm used to it, I do it, but it keeps failing me. Amen? Verse 6, in all your ways, acknowledge him. There's no ways in which I shouldn't acknowledge that God has something to say about that part of my life. Nothing. There's nothing out of bounds. So you've got to trust that as God gave these Ten Commandments, which we'll get into in just a second, right? that he didn't leave anything out that you need to know. Right? He made you, right? Man has changed in a lot of ways over the past several thousand years, but there's nothing from when he created you to now that he left out, right? There's no instruction that you don't have in here. The last part, 
and he will make your path straight. So the insinuation is that my path is crooked until I start listening to the Lord and he makes my path straight. Right? That is what it means to walk in his way, to walk the straight path. All right, one more place I want to show you. Psalm 119. Are anybody know any fun facts about Psalm 119? It's long. I like that. It's actually the longest. You know, Psalm 119, man, that thing's the longest. Okay. Nice. Very good. Anything else? That's a good one. Well done. So it's the longest chapter of the entire Bible. And what is it talking about? God's law and its goodness. That's all it talks about. For a hundred years, like surely they run out of stuff to say. Right in 176 verses. There's nothing else that it's talking about. All about God's law. David is all about God's law. He loves it. He thinks it's good. But you also know David, right? That he struggles like you do. Just because I know it and I think it's good, right? Doesn't mean that I'm going to do it perfectly. Here are a couple excerpts that are my favorite and we'll get into, get into the goodness. Psalm 119.11 Your word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. Remember what was the definition of freedom last night? You may want to turn to that and read it out to me. That, right at the end, what was the definition of freedom? The ability to love and serve God unimpeded by sin. The ability to love and serve God unimpeded by sin. Your word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. I need to know your path so that I'll walk it. Not walking your path, right, is missing your path, which is sin. Right, so that's uh, pretty simple, right? Walking the path, not sin. Not walking the path, sin. He created you to walk the path. Okay, that's all sin is. The path is the target, sin is missing the target. Uh, Psalm 119.18 Open my eyes that I may behold the wonderful things in your law. He is praying, Father, I don't quite understand. I need you to open my eyes so I can see the goodness. Can you imagine somebody that's never had macaroni and cheese? And you're like, you don't want some of this? Open their eyes, Father, that they might try, that they may taste and see that the cheese is good. <laughs> Psalm 119.32. This is the best. Sorry, 31, I cling to your testimonies, O Lord, do not put me to shame. Verse 32, I shall run the way of your commandments. Do we run a way that we're unsure of? Right? No. That's the way I'm running. And then one more, 35, 119, Make me walk in the path of your commandments. Right? Over and over, I want you to say the same thing. Bible is not uh, difficult, it's simple. We just don't make it simple enough. Right? Over and over and over again. Right? Freedom, 
It's walking the path. Not walking the path, not freedom, sin. All right, so here's the, here's the last piece that we want to look at. So the law, if we follow it, makes straight the paths of those who love God's law and they lead to life. So the path, right, always leads somewhere. When we are on that path, it leads to life. We get life. The life that, in, in life, we say, well, I define life differently. Well, you learn how God defines it. This is how God defines life. So the life that he gives is the life that is, is supposed to be. So the life that he wants you to have, that the law leads to, is life as it is supposed to be, not as we live it. Paul has this awesome uh, kind of turn of phrase in Galatians. After giving the fruits of the Spirit, he says, against these things there is no law. Right? He's like, fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are awesome things. Right? We struggle with them. But he says, against those things there is no law. Meaning, do that and don't worry about anything else. Right? So like, there's no law against dunks. And home runs, that's, that's within the rules, right? There's no law against hugs, right? Or mac and cheese, right? Or that those things are what he wants, right? So the law then, right, is doing the things that he wants. And here's the last piece. I want you to make sure you write this part down. God's laws preserve and bring life as God intended. God's law preserves and brings life as God intended. So, so much of what we're going to cover here in just a second is going to bring life to those as you do it, right? And it's also going to preserve life where it's needed. And so what happens when we don't do those things? Life falls away, right? And we don't know, and other people don't know what they're doing. All right, so here's the last piece before we get into, and I'm going to have kind of a pattern of which I'm going to work things through to you, and I need you to have questions, all right? And what I mean by that is, uh, again, what question you have, somebody else is going to benefit from. And so... Because this is life, right, like I should want to understand, right? So as we get into this, as I write through some kind of parameters, I want you to make sure that like, okay, so are you saying this? And I'll say yay or nay. All right. So we're looking at the commandments are a roadmap of how to live. So all the Ten Commandments, the Decalogue, they act as basically categories. So you've seen, if you've ever read the Old Testament past Exodus 20, there's a, the rest, almost the rest of Exodus is more laws specific to the nation of Israel. But all of them, right, come from the categories of the Ten Commandments. He doesn't, there's nothing he doesn't cover. And so he's going to continue to expound and make more specific what that looks like in the nation, right, of Israel. Uh, I don't want this to be controversial, but the United States is not a Christian nation. And we are not supposed to be. He's never meant to make a Christian nation other than Israel. Okay? They are supposed to walk in and do that as a nation. Okay? 
All right. So here, uh, so let's look at the first one. Uh, so we looked at yesterday, right? You should have no other gods before me. That's the first commandment. So the first four are going to deal with, uh, are going to deal with, um, the first three are going to uh, deal with uh, God and the rest of them uh, with us, our relationships with each other, right? And the, the delineator is number four. So somebody read uh, verses um, four, five, and six. So this is the uh, second commandment or the second word in the Decalogue. Okay. So this verse is talking about this idea of external worship. So everything is trying to order what we do from, un- from disorder. Okay. So he is speaking into that I, right? So if it's like, as, as I'm standing before you, it's like, hey, here are my rules, okay? Here is what I want you to know about relating to me, okay? Don't touch me on the back. I really don't like that. Or don't do this, right? He's saying what he, how he wants to be worshipped. And so it's dealing with external worship. Okay, the true perception of God is really, really important. Why? What if God is misrepresented in some way. Okay. Why else is it important? Say again. Okay. It shapes how we, uh, how we see him in our relationship. One more. Why does it matter? Think about this. Why does it matter that you're represented well? Have you ever gotten mad when somebody said something that was untrue of you? Oh, yeah. Like fiery mad, right? That just... How can they? So it matters how he's worshipped. Contact between him and us is on his terms. That is completely backwards to how we view it. Right? If you walked into a king's throne room... Who's in charge? The king. How do we approach God? Hey, dude. (laughs) It's good to see you. Right? Super informally. Just whatever. Wearing like cut-off shorts. You know, maybe a tank top. Right? Does anyone go to the king like that? No. You don't know that, do you? God's trying to tell you. You don't come to me like that. Like, I love you, right? There's some informal time, but like, I never, as you're my son or daughter to the king, I never cease to be the king. Okay, and what I say goes and how you approach me is how, is how I say you approach me. So this is not something that we do outright in our society. We don't make idols. Idols were fashioned and boy, there's like a birthing process in the old world. They fed them. They were like little people. They represented. There's people that made them. Right? We don't do that. Right? But we try to, uh, but sometimes people will try to make images of God. And what he says is don't do that because whatever you're going to make is not going to represent me well. Does that make sense? So it'd be like somebody uh, saying to Lindell, here's this doll. Do you think that this like represents you well? And you're like, no, that looks terrible. I'm magnificent. How dare you even think about making something to represent me? 
And so God has given us wisdom here. He says it's not possible, okay, to, to hit the mark of what I look like. I need you to not do that. It's going to cheapen who I am and what I am. We're to worship God in whose image we are made, not some image or representation of him. But I want you to think that you do this. You have a kind of an image in your mind of who God is, and that's the person that you go to. And generally, that image is wrong. And so here he's telling what he's about, right? Don't make an image about how you think I am, right? On anything in earth, nothing, those are things I made. They're not me, okay? Right, for I'm a jealous God, I, re- I want my nature to be known as it is, just like you. Every one of you are jealous people for your image, for your character, right? People misrepresent that you get fiery mad. How dare you think that I would, right? Amen? He said, he visits the iniquity of the fathers on the children from generation of those who hate me, right? He says, well, you hate me, Right, so I'm going to let you have the, cons- the consequences, right, for those that don't listen to me, I'm not their God, right, so you're going, to, you're going to bear consequences like that. If I defy the authority of the police, there are going to be consequences to that. If I def- defy the authority of the university I attend, if I defy the authority of the boss that I have, right, there are consequences to that. He says, he basically is saying, I'm just going to visit those consequences on you because you're not in a relationship with me. These rules are for those that are in a relationship with me. But lastly, right, here's also his character, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. That I've adopted you and I'll never let you go. I'm going to pay for college. I'm going to pay for your meals. I'm going to pay for doctor visits. Right? Never let you go. For those who love me and keep my commandments. So here's what's required. To worship me properly. So our first two is right, you shouldn't have any other authority in your life, okay? And so if you want to even start making, we'll probably, at a later point, we have more time, I'll probably draw some representations of what we're looking at, but think about, okay, I don't know what I'm doing, so he tells me, okay, don't have any authorities in my life. Okay, I have lots of authorities in my life. I got to figure this out because they're not helping me, having multiple authorities. He said, he's my authority, okay? This next thing is he said, you need to worship me properly. Okay, I don't worship you properly. All right, so I got to figure that out. Right? This is, the, this is how we should be hearing this. I am not assuming that you know these things. I didn't know them until I learned them. Right? Oh, wow. I, I, I worship God super casually. He was like, yeah, don't do that. Got it. <laughs> I'm going to get better. Hey, you shouldn't have any other guys before me. Are you sure? Like, are you really, really sure? He's like, yeah, I'm real, real sure. Got it. Okay, I'm going to work on that. So what required is you shall worship me properly. Now, a lot of times what we're going to think then of is like, so what does all this cover? So I'm just going to give you a list, and this is not going to be comprehensive. So here's the issues, co- the issues covered by external worship and, and needing to worship God properly. And here are the things that you need to work through. All right? So idolatry, right? Anything that sets itself up against God or worshiping a false representation of God. Okay? The things that the church asks you to do, right? Because it's talking about authority. Church discipline, church worship services. How do I come into the place where the body is gathered? Fasting, false conceptions of God. 
right? And so it says like, well, that's, both of those are pretty basic, yet they're the hardest ones to do, okay? They're going to get more specific, but we need to understand that. All right, any questions? I have some questions at the end, but any questions about that one? The, the idea would be, I've got a question because I don't quite get it. Let me clarify. Yes, Bia. Yeah, fasting. It would compete that, like, do, am I fasting for the right reasons? So I understand that. False conceptions of God. All of those are issues that are addressed in this particular word, right? To worship me properly. So meaning, like, if you're fasting as a means of worship, like, you need to do that as I ask you to do it. Okay? Other questions? Yes? Yeah, so what are the ways that we... Um, have you ever uh, thought someone was some way and you walked up to them and you're like, oh, I've totally misread that situation. Yep. So you, you and me do that to God all the time. We treat him in a way that he is not meant to be treated. Okay. Um, we're uh, Americans, younger Americans. I was like this. I can't speak for you. Right. But I, I don't like authority. And so I'm not real reverential to people that I should be reverential to. It has nothing to do with if they deserve it, right? That God asked me to do that to him and I can do that to others. Just treat them with respect. We don't do that very well. So when we're thinking of God, right? How do we treat God with respect? The almighty, all powerful, person who created us, person who loves us, person who's trying to teach us. That's then getting out of thing. So think throne room. All right, any other questions? Is Renee in here? Oh, there you are. Uh, this person keeps calling me. <laughs> I think it's a restaurant. Do you mind calling them? Sorry. They just will not keep quit calling. I was going to call them in about 30 minutes. All right. All right. Any, any other questions about that one? All right, good. All right, they're going to get more specific. We're just going to hit a couple, take a break. All right. Uh, somebody read verse 7. All right, so this is talking about verbal worship. All right, where do the words out of our mouth come from? What does the Bible teach us? Right? So we've talked about this before. So you make me mad, and I kind of spew some vile stuff at you, and you're like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean any of that. Where did it come from? <laughs> right? Out of the spigot right here. It was all me. All right, it's in there. If it's in there, it wouldn't come out. <laughs> so, uh, but then we're also going to see that it encompasses our, our physical person. So as it relates to verbal worship, we are not to misuse God's name. How does somebody misuse your name? They don't say it right. Yes, we've got, yes, we talked about this. There's some, uh, right? Absolutely. Say my name correctly. What else? How else do we misuse each other's names? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That, that qualifies. I am misusing your name as I talk junk about you. Do we talk junk about God? Yes. To reject his name is to reject him. It's not different. Oh, I just reject, I don't like his name. Well, that's who he is, right? 
Ah, Carissa. Well, she's a person. <laughs> and so a lot of times we, we think it's like semantics. We don't just say his name and like just kind of use it casually, right? Or just like throw it out. Uh, well, that is misusing it, but typically it's just like that. Just don't do that one thing. But there's lots of other ways that we do that as well. So just not saying, oh, right? Or Jesus, not in a nice way, right? That's, not, that's, that's way too narrow of, a, of, of an interpretation here. One's use of God's name reflects his understanding of who God is. So God's name, God, Jesus, right? Those names evoke power. Those names evoke something specific. And so we need to protect that, right? And we use it. So his name involves his authority. His name involves his protection. His name involves his glory. His name involves his holiness. His name involves his majesty. His name involves his moral standards. His name involves his reputation. His name involves saving power. He's pretty awesome. When my kids call out daddy, okay, it's important, right, that they, uh, and how they do that and how they think of me because that's in situations where they'll call for me, right? What we think about God and who he is and what he'll do for us is direct correlation to when we call out for him, isn't it? Think about the things that you call upon the name of the Lord for. He's a test helper. I've got myself in a bad situation. He's a get out of a bad situation guy. He's a stop, help me stop making me sad guy. What else? What else do we do? Not you, just say what somebody else might do. He's a guide. He's a guide. Okay. He gives peace and comfort. He does? All right, so these are the right answers. All right, so, what, uh, so I just want to make sure that we understand what, you know, how we do this wrongly. What else do we call on him for? When we need forgiveness. Okay, again, that's correct. <laughs> <laughs> so good, these, that's good. We want correct answers. I do. I'm looking for wrong answers. How do we call on his name wrong? Like, we ask him for like, worldly things. Absolutely. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. Please don't make there be a cop here, God. Please don't make there be a car, a cop here. When we're angry or frustrated. Yep. We're angry or frustrated. Yep. When we don't study but expect a good grade. When we don't study but expect a good grade. Absolutely. Do people call on your name incorrectly? They ask you for things, to do things that they shouldn't be asking you for. So the issue is, right, God, God wants to hear all of your stuff, all right? But if that's all we're going to Him for, right, we're misusing Him for, like, He, he can do way bigger stuff. <laughs> right, He wants to be way more to you than you're letting Him. And so that's part of properly engaging um, Him. All right, so here's what's required, right? Here's the path. If I'm walking the path. What's required is using God's name properly, revering His name. 
Have you ever seen somebody in high school? You're like, oh, there goes so-and-so. Ooh. Not in a way they look, but just everything about, about like the, that people revere them for whatever reason, right? Stupid high school reasons. <laughs> there are people, right, that, that people meet that they like are speechless in front of. <laughs> right? These, like they revere them. It is said that the scribes so revered God's name. These are the keepers of his law, the people... They, they're the lawyers in Scripture, but they're the ones who knew God's law, and they would come to ask for it. They so revered His name that when they were copying the law, when they came to write Yahweh, right, the Tetragrammaton, they're not even supposed to say that they would break their pencil because they couldn't, like, they weren't worthy to write His name. Can you imagine? Right. So that that is a lot of pencils. So so that's reverence. Okay, wherever you are, we need to get closer. Amen? <laughs> so each of the things, no God before me, right? Don't mis- misrepresent me. And so in this one is don't uh, use my name improperly. Are we starting to get kind of a focus? Oh, oh, I don't use his name properly. What if I did? What if in my speech only that I, uh, that I use his name properly, what would that do for those around me about how I talked about God? And what they would think about his character. Would that help you think? Yeah. We lament, I'm not saying to do this, but we lament, and they and this was not maybe the heart of we lament, you know, kind of in yesteryear, kind of people dressing up for church. Right? And so there's there's things that that it's not that big a deal about that. But yet there's this heart of like, what if we are giving God our best instead of just whatever? There's lots of ways for us to do that better. It matters. So here are uh, issues addressed. Got one more, and we'll take a break. Issues addressed. So swearing. So just like saying his name flippantly. Like what if I use buster as a curse word? Oh, buster. (laughs) Right, what happens? It seems silly, but what happens? His name is like, as, a, as I continue to use somebody's name as, like, <laughs> then his name is derided. When you meet Buster, you're like, oh, is that O Buster? Yeah. Eesh. Right? We don't think about it like that, do we? So that would be swearing. So oath-taking? By God, I will do this. No, 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 no. <laughs> right? If somebody, that's like, somebody's like, you know what? If I don't do this, then you can kill Rob. Whoa, whoa, hey. <laughs> hey I was like, don't swear about me, because that, that means if I don't do it, then you can have Rob. It's like, no, I did not agree to that. Right? So he, he says in uh, Matthew, right? Let, 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 yes be yes, you know be you no. Know. Don't be swear by stuff, which means like somebody's not believing you, so you're having to invoke something else, right, to give you... Uh, to give you credence to what you're saying, right? This is a big deal. We do this all the time. Don't do that. Flippancy, just eh. Hypocrisy, right? You wear the name of Christian, you act like not a Christian, right? I say that I love my God and yet I don't do it. I say I love my wife and then act like I don't. It's being a hypocritical husband, right? Same thing. It's not different. 
blasphemy, saying, attributing to God what is not him, heresy, proof texting, perjury, claims of extra-biblical revelation would all be covered under this. Say what he says, say what he's about. All right, questions about that one? Was that still all under the same? It was, yep. Verbal worship, yep. Pretexting perjury, claims of extra uh, biblical revelation, like attributing like something to God that's not his. Hey, he got, you know, God said this too, kind of thing. All right, questions about that one? <laughs> Don't you like answers like that? No good reason. What do you mean by proof Yeah, so proof texting is like I say something that I want to be true, and then I go and find a verse and kind of twiggle it in. Yeah. Yep, it would. Don't do that. All right. Yes. So why are you doing that? Exactly. Just so that's our way of making it's it's like signing a receipt. You know what a receipt is? It's like I'll pay you. So like why do we do that? <laughs> huh? No, no. You can put your hand on the Bible. So the Jesus says, you know, uh, is that is that our law? Right? Yeah. It's not that big a deal, but it's not in, in your personal dealings, right? You want to live in such a way. That like when Matthew says something and you're trying to like, but let me give you some like collateral to make sure that in, you don't need that. Like your word is so good. Your character is so good that I don't, people believe what I say. Hey, I'll be there at seven o'clock. They don't have to text you to remind you, right? They don't have to send you an email appointment. Like you'll just be there. Crazy. Yeah. I was just going to, actually, I don't know what I was going to say. It's all right. Oh, so like in our personal life, don't yeah. be like, yeah, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, he's saying don't do that. Okay? Do we understand a little bit of why? Right? Because you need to, like what you say needs to be true. So you don't have to go to some different power to validate what you say. Yeah. Is it, is it kind of working in reverse if like, you're attributing something to like, love or something? Yep. Yep. Yeah, that would be blasphemous. That's not good either. We all the time. So one thing that the Lord, how this has been true in my life is, uh, so, so many times, right, if we have the Holy Spirit, Dr. Holy Spirit, my, His Spirit lives inside of me and is trying to teach me and to lead me into all truth, bring things to mind, like just give me power, you know, encourage me, like all sorts of things. And yet I'll just like, man, I had this great idea. Who gave you that idea? Right? Like that's through the power of the Holy Spirit. So this is something I've been very aware of in my own life of trying to like, I don't have words to like communicate. It's weird to say every time the Holy Spirit told me, I'm going to be like a weirdo. So I'm trying to figure out what the language is there. Right? But more often than not, when you think I said something cool, like the Holy Spirit is encouraging me, right, to say the thing, right, or to help me get those words out. So what he wants us to do, again, it's not, it's, it, I don't need to like every time, that was Holy Spirit, that was Holy Spirit, but I don't need to attribute it to me, right? 
So there's, some, there's, there's, I'm not quite sure how to do that, but that, but that would be talking about that because that's God, right? And then we want to give him praise for the things that he does. So that's why it's really important when we pray for like to write it down. So it's answered or like, that wasn't just, oh man, that was so cool that that happened. He's like, you remember you prayed for that three days ago, right? Like we spent like 30 minutes, you know, <laughs> talking and it was like praise, right? He, nobody else was going to do that, but God. So that would be attributing to something else right, what's, what uh, should be attributed to the Lord. And so we talk about somebody's, what about the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? That's, that's this kind of idea, that if we are completely to deny God in our lives, that's the unpardonable sin, right? It's nothing more or less than that. All right, great questions. Gold star for everyone. All right, last one. We'll take a break. Um, this one covers a lot of ground. All right, somebody read verse um, 8, 9, and 10 and 11. Made it holy. Awesome. All right. So this is the longest commandment. Um, and this is what, uh, so we, we struggle with all of them, even as we are coming to like, what does that, how is he trying to give me a path to walk? And that's what we're doing. So again, I don't want you to see this as like, Man, he's just really giving it to me today. No, I'm trying to teach you this is the path. If you don't know the path, right, you can't start walking it. So now that you know the path, then you can get mad at me. All right. God, why did he tell us? Now I'm responsible. So, but this one is, um, everyone stinks at this, but America, like, tramples this commandment in every possible way. Like, there's nothing in American life that helps you do this path. All right. He says, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. This is talking about temporal worship of God, temporal rest of man. It's also dealing with like rights and privileges. That God is sovereign, meaning God is in control, right? He has something to say. He has authority over all aspects of life, even your time. So you're, just like, so you're telling me that, that you want to tell me how to live, and if, you'll, if I live the way you're telling me to in the use of my time, that there I will um, preserve life and bring it? Yes, that is what I'm telling you. That is what he is telling you. That is what I'm repeating. This is the longest commandment, right? There's a lot of stuff that he needs to tell you there because we, 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 uh, this is against, the, against how the world works. So remember, in the creation event that God rested, this is, we need to remember this, right? That God wants us to rest, that he rests. If God rests, you need to rest, right? I need to rest, right? Sabbath keeping is part of the moral law. Keeping it, right, or violating it is a serious matter. This isn't one of those kind of like I drop my Skittles or I use water instead of milk in my mac and cheese, I know, right? Yeah. I figured I'd get some groans there. You have a, a desire for regular worship and regular rest. What happens when you don't get regular worship, when you do not lift God's name up? What is, what is your overwhelming point of view? Not on God. Not on God. How about that? The longer you go without lifting up His name, the longer you go without thinking about him. The longer you go without rest, what happens? You crash. You crash. What else? Pride. 
Describe just how you feel. <laughs> Tired, rude, grumpy, <laughs> mean. I don't think if I was going to write life and I was going to write words under life, those would not be words I would use. He commands you to rest. I want you to send that in. I mean, you, you, this is something you know about, like, but, but he commands it. Like he is mad that you don't rest because he knows how it affects you and affects others around you. Okay? Yes? We'll get to that in a second. I want to, that's like a, a little minor thing. So right now when you're not doing it, do it on a Tuesday, like rest. All right, so that's my quick answer. We'll get to it. Sabbath keeping acts as a sign. What happens when you rest? And not just because I can't keep going, but because I, God told me to rest. And you're like, hey, what are, what are you doing? I'm keeping, I'm remembering the Sabbath. Well, why? Because God told me to. He wants you to rest. Yep. When I rest, does that mean other people work? Nope. When I rest, other people can rest. So something as simple as, some people keep this in like, Hey, let's say Renee, is an, as you all have attested to, is a wonderful cook. She keeps a wonderful house. Um, and that is what she wants to do. And yet on Sundays, okay, or on Saturdays or whenever we're Sabbathing, like it would be a good idea for us to figure out some way for that to be less work, right? Because as we dirty up a bunch of dishes, we got to clean a bunch of dishes, right? It's like a little tiny thing. It's not, there's no, it's not legalism here, but he wants us to rest, so how can we rest well? When I am not outside like raking leaves, then the kids don't have to come out there and help me, right? That includes that too. Rest is not rest from the things that you get paid for, which is how we view our weekends, right? Or you will as an adult. I don't know what you do on your time off. But for me, I like work all week, and then I get home, and then I just do work at home that I haven't done during the week. <laughs> And then I just kind of fall asleep somewhere, face down. <laughs> what, what, what happened? What day is it? What do I need to do? You know? No, Rob. Like, roll up the newspaper, hit me in the nose. No. That's not how you're supposed to live, brother. Sabbath keeping acts as a sign. We reflect God's work in creation and in salvation. He does it, not me. As we do, it sanctifies us and we become like Him. We become resters. He is a rester. He, ha- he right now is resting from His work in creation. All right, rest has practical benefits. It prevents us from making work ultimate source of security and allows us to depend on God. When I say no to working at home, guess what that means? The work doesn't go away. That means that I need to be really on my P's and Q's when I'm working. I don't have seven days to finish my work, okay? I got four days or five days or six days or whatever, but it ain't seven. You understand? So I don't, like, you don't have seven days to do your work. You understand? He does not want you to work every day. 
And everyone was like, I don't, but my schedule is like, I use all the days. He's like, don't use all the days. Take that day off. You have this many days to get your work done. Do you like that? <laughs> He's like, no, I don't like that. That's, that's not how I live. I have seven days to do my work. He's like, no, you don't. So it's like the, your teacher, you have an hour to take your test. I need five more minutes. No. <laughs> Turn the test in. You're done. Okay, this is the tone in which God is talking about remembering the Sabbath. Hey, but I've got that assignment done. Well, you should have done it yesterday because you're done. Remember, Sabbath, remember, rest. You don't remember it, do you? No one's ever told you this, have you? Have they? <laughs> this is God's path. Your life will be better if you stop working for a whole day. He knows you so well that he knows that you need, you need to rest every day. Right? <laughs> Do you know what happens when we sleep? Your body restores itself. That is what it's doing. It shuts down so that your body can fix all the wear and tear that you put on it that day. When you shortchange that sleep, your body doesn't get to finish what it was supposed to be doing. I learned that in graduate school. Nobody ever told me that before. <laughs> Huh. That's, I wish I would have known that. Other oh, practical vent of it. All of us enjoy that which was produced. What if you were actually done with your work in six days and there's nothing hanging over your head? Can you imagine it? I just want you to close your eyes and imagine that your work is done. Imagine it. Just... Close your eyes and smile. Mm, mm, that would be good. Can you imagine all of your work being done for the week? That's a Sunday right there. Right? That's a Saturday. That's a Tuesday. <laughs> He's like, I'll take what I can get at this point. <laughs> Practical benefit helps mitigate effects of the fall. Right? Work was turned into turmoil. It was turned into toil. And so when we only got six days, uh, and this is, I don't mean to at you, but this is probably going to at you, okay? This ats me too. All right, you ready for it? This encourages industriousness for six days. You know how we do? Kind of do it, and then like four hours or whatever, and then we kind of do it, and then three hours or whatever. And then like the next day I don't do anything. And then the next day I'm stressed out. And then I work for six hours, which you can't possibly do in a row, right? Because it's super, it's super helpful. You're really being really productive on hour, maybe an hour of that. But like two, three, four, five, and six, like you're so brain dead. You're not supposed to work like that, guys, if you didn't know that. <laughs> it's not supposed to be nothing and then everything. <laughs> It encourages industriousness. I don't have that much time. When you have a deadline, how awesome are you at getting your thing done? Imagine that, that it was, yeah, 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 Rob, yes. <laughs> if it's a real deadline, like I, I work good under pressure. Some of you do, some of you don't. The, the issue is when there's something that has to be due, like there's an application, like do you get that thing done? Yeah. In our heads, we got to get like, 
the, the, the application, like it is closing <laughs> at the end of day six because he wants me to rest. That's how life is supposed to be. I could go on and on about this. All right, we'll stop there. Questions about that? Yes? What do you define as rest? Excellent. That's a good question. Okay, so number one, it is not working. <laughs> so working, if you're a student, means studying. Okay? Working as a worker, right, means you're at your job. Right, so that's typically not the issue. It's working when you're outside of your job. Okay? And again, that's fine too, but at some point you've got to stop working. Okay? Work is done. Is the work is there going to be work to do on Monday? Yep. So start back then. So not working also includes what I call play. All right? Do I just like sit motionless like on a couch? Like can I watch TV? Do I scroll on like scrolling on social that is not rest, okay? All of you know this. I know this. Right? We think rest is I'm going to sit down and then I'm just. <laughs> Let me refresh one more time and just do it again. I think there's probably something more interesting here. Let me refresh one more time. Right? Two and a half hours go by and do you feel better? No. Because you weren't resting. When you rest or play, you feel better. That is, that, that's how you define, did I, did I stop working? Did I feel better? Yes. Did I stop working? I felt no. Play is things that are life-giving. Can I meet with somebody who I love and loves me? Yes. <laughs> Do that. There's so many, so many books have been written about this idea over the past five years. Things like families getting together, right? They kind of bring over food that was pre-made and they have a picnic and their kids just play and they talk and they watch football and they just enjoy themselves right? They may spend time in prayer. They may spend time in devotion because it's not just abdicating everything, but what does it do? Why does the church gather on Sunday? To remember the person who lets us rest. I don't know about you, but when I spend time with Lord, I feel good. It's restful for me. He wants me to, to do that. Are there people in your life when you spend time with them that you're refreshed? Imagine it if you don't have those people. You need those people. God wants you to have those people. Spend time with them on those days. Other questions? Yep. Does that include like housework? Yep, it does. That's work. Reagan leaves, mopping the floor. Huh? What if you're Reagan leaves so you can jump in the pot and the fire? Does that work? All right, I'm not the arbiter of like. (laughs) But let's say that. I think that would be good. Yeah. I mean, if that makes you happy. Yeah. Knock yourself out. Guy's not looking down. It's like, Rob's, Rob's yard's not raked. God, I hate that guy. <laughs> Somebody, there was a, yeah. What are helpful boundaries that you can put in place to help us well? Yeah, so um, that, I like that one um, as I'm trying things out, right? So again, is sitting out on the couch and like doing, like surfing the internet restful? No. Uh, for me, like reading's restful, right? It is encouraging. I learn a lot. Like I'm refreshed. I feel better when I, when I do that. That's a good indication if that's like I'm doing what God wants me to do, right? Sabbath is resting is making me feel better in every way. 
Okay, I know that's kind of a general statement. Um, so a, an ancient practice, and I think this is actually helpful in whatever day that you're going to take a rest, depending on your schedule, because used to, like in the nation of Israel, there was hard boundaries about when Sabbath was. We have no boundaries in our society, none. Okay, so if you work weekends, then you're going to have to figure out another day to rest. And here's how I would, here's how I would count, here's how I would count that. Best case scenario, we typically think of it of like from like a 24-hour day. Okay, how they, how the ancients would think about it is from sundown. So like, let's say when the sun went down on Friday night. So this is the ancient world Sabbath. Sun went down on Friday night to Saturday dinner. Like that's their Sabbath. Which if you think about it, it's like, actually that'd be way easier to observe. Because I can get my stuff done, okay, I'm done. Right? And then I maybe hang out with my family. I maybe do something that's life-giving. I get up. I have breakfast. I don't do anything work. And then again, come Saturday night, right, I can resume whatever I'm doing. Because it's really hard for like a 24-hour day. But, that is, but, but that's not how anybody's ever thought. They think about it from sundown, right, from, yeah, from sundown to sundown. All right? Other questions? Do it. Jesus yes. That's yes. Everything about, everything about our spiritual life as it relates to healing, sharing the gospel, that's not work. That's not work that he's talking about. Yeah. Do that. Don't ever not do that. That speaks to like, it's the Sabbath is not meant to be life-giving only for us, but for those around us. And so as we are doing things that our life giving to other people, we are contributing to their Sabbath as well. Correct. Correct. Okay.